Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to everything in the world of entertainment. For your enjoyment, I'm Jeff Fav. And I'm Tom Moss, and this is the Tradescast for the week of July 31st. Hey, Tom, we're going to have a special guest today, Dan Nelson. Hey, Dan. Hey, what's up? Uh, glad to have you here. Dan is a uh, lover of all things entertainment. He's also a, a podcast aficionado, So, uh, and he's our UFC go-to. Um, and we're going to get to your sports go-to. Your sports go-to, that is true. Don't uh, Both UFC and soccer. I will limit him to that. <laughs> um, but uh, before we get there, let's talk. Let's talk convention news. Um, this is my fight song, Tom. Um, I got to tell you, I'm in love with that song. My daughter's in love with it. My wife's in love with it. I'm in love with the video. I'm in love with everything about it. Okay, so they in, did they introduce that song for the convention? No, it had already it's, been out. It's, it's about okay. three years old. It's, okay, yeah, it's so this is I, I, I do not keep up with yes. teen pop as, as much as you guys. Old, yes, it's awesome. So, and so, I was a twelve-year-old three years ago. So now, what does what does the campaign do with this song and this momentum of this popularity of this song now? Do they roll it into the commercials? Does it become her theme song? What's it's a good, the next you know, this is a good question, and we ought to link to it. John Oliver did an amazing little piece. I don't know if you saw it, but it was he got several. Uh, musicians, including uh, John Mellencamp and Hart and some others, to sing this wonderful parody song about stop stealing our songs because people keep stealing their songs. Uh, and uh, that's been a big thing. And so this, of course, was a full-throated endorsement, Use My Song. I think they'd be really smart to keep it, I'm not going to call it viral, but don't overuse it anymore. It was great for the campaign. That video is out there. That video is amazing. I say don't overuse it. Is the video viral? It's gotten more than a million. I mean, it's not in the tens of millions, but it's out there and it's getting it's getting hits. Did you know everybody in the video? I did not know everybody in the video. I, I, had, to ask, I had to ask Kipper people about three of them. I didn't know. I knew a lot of them. A lot of them were from Pitch Perfect. Yeah, they should do they should do subtitles for the uh, or, or, or chrono for keys. the old people. Chrono keys. Don't worry, they've done that for old people. You got to watch YouTube to search <laughs> yes. with names of people. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought the John Oliver piece was. It was a little bit too long and not as good as it could have been, but the idea was funny. Fair enough. It was a little bit, but I did. I love those kind of parodies. Let's let's talk about the conventions themselves. Uh, ratings. We'll just talk facts here for a minute. Overall ratings higher for the Democratic National Convention. Uh, but on a one-on-one, Trump versus Hillary Clinton, uh, more people, not by a lot, we're looking 30 to 28 million, watched the Trump uh, Trump speech do you take anything away from either of these and let's talk about in terms of programming how they were put together or is it just a, a traffic accident people want to see well i think the the uh, republican national convention was pretty accurately described by what some one senator or congressman as a dumpster fire <laughs> uh which i think is pretty pretty close i mean when you've got the likes of scott Bayo as your headlining act then uh then you know you're, you're, you you haven't been able to attract, say, the highest caliber of talent. Um, but I think you know, still 27, 28 million people tuned in to watch the dumpster fire. Now, whether they watched it, they, they tuned in to watch a dumpster fire or to watch um, a candidate they truly believed in. You know, we'll never be able to parse all of that out. Uh, and, and the same is probably true for the for the DNC. So I think to answer your first question, I don't think you take anything away from this. I don't think anyone has bragging rights. I think it's foolish to try to brag about your ratings in the first place because, you know, if you live by them, you also die by them. At least that's the common wisdom. And, of course, those rules are out the window. You know, it's funny. I, I think all three of us here have um, 
ultra conservative people probably in our family. And sure. uh, I know that um, some people would say that the conventions don't really do that much because uh, I'll admit I, I'm, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm not going to vote for Donald uh, Trump. I watched a few hours of the Republican convention. I watched 20 hours of the Democratic convention. Do you think that they're mostly just selling to their audience? I think that um, that there's a lot there's there's a lot of people that are in a very difficult situation. They don't like Hillary or they don't like Donald Trump. I, I have seen they have people in my family that are going to vote for Donald Trump. And they they do not care. They hate Hillary, and they're very excited to vote for Donald Trump. But did they but watch? I also, I also have yeah, they watched it all. And I also have uh, family members that literally do not know what to do because they don't want to vote for one of these candidates, and they're definitely not voting for the other one. And so maybe the best thing the convention can do for something like them is to encourage them to to go ahead and 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 vote for somebody they didn't want to vote for. Because, you know, they've been so turned off by the other candidate or something like that. Do you think that's what happened to them? Do you think people in the middle did really watch both campaigns? I mean, both conventions? No, I don't. I don't. Maybe. I mean, I think it's more likely that, that people on the on the left watch the, the RNC to um, just just out of out of, you know, mouths agape. But I think there's an also a, a, there's also three or four other options for these people in our family that are ultra conservatives or. One is, you know, either the Libertarian or the Green Party candidate, but also there's not voting at all. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see that become a, a bigger trope as Trump continues to step on it, as he did this this weekend with the um, the, uh, the servicemen's parents that uh, that spoke at the DNC. It was funny. I, I was thinking about the Spirit Awards, of all things, this week, because I kept thinking – this would have been the year to have like a, a legit convention for libertarians or Green Party, like yeah. like it should have been on another network somewhere. Like I don't even know what they do because right. they're such small parties. I don't even know what they do, but I think like it would have gotten real traction if they had gotten because there are some main people who are for both those parties. Right. So um, you know maybe next time I don't I don't mind there being a third or four party candidate, but they just don't ever get traction. And part of the reason is I think. They just don't get enough free press. Right. You know? So the next thing to watch will be the debates, right? There's three debates set for September and October. Right, and of course the news here is that two of them will be during football time, which is interesting. Um, two of them are, are against primetime NFL football, which is, as we know, the only absolute moneymaker. You, you schedule a game, it can be the worst two teams, 15 million people are going to watch it. Do you think... The schedulers flat out made a mistake. Should they have not done this? Should they have said, "Look, we can't, we can't lose ten million viewers"? Now the NFL is not ha- obviously they don't they don't want to go up against uh, they don't want to go up against the convention. But should should the, the I mean the debates should the debaters scheduling said no, we're not going up against football. Sure. I, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, but but they didn't, you know. I mean, and and you know, there's some speculation about who knew what when did the when did what schedule come out? There was some Trump claims to have received a letter from the NFL. There was never a letter right. from the NFL, um, you know. So who who knows? But I mean, come on, people can DVR this stuff. It, it'll be you know instantly replayed. Except that these are two hours. live, truly live events. Like Dan, if I said to you, you can schedule all three on Wednesdays, would you have just scheduled them on Wednesdays? No football. Just I would have scheduled them different days of the week. You know, that's part of it is like 
Not everybody has the same days free. Sunday night is a night when most people watch TV, right? Isn't it like Monday? That's it. And Friday, Saturday, they don't, which which really only left Tuesday and Wednesday, non-football days. That's it. Yeah. So do you schedule them all on Tuesday and Wednesday? No, I definitely think Sunday night is a perfectly appropriate night. But I agree with Tom. I, I, I watched most of the debates on YouTube later after they happened. I didn't watch them live. Okay. With the with both the RNC and the DNC. And I think that many more people do that now. I think a lot of people a don't non- watch live TV at all. I think it's a non-story. I mean, I think it'll it'll get a little heat, but I mean... What wins the ratings? No, definitely. The football, yeah. I mean, how good are the ratings ever for... for well, this is, a new, this is a whole new ball game. I know, but there's still debates. Okay. Well, so speaking of ratings, uh, Dan, I wanted to ask you a little bit about UFC, because uh, it's something that you follow really carefully, and... Um, one as of the, your sports correspondent. As my sports correspondent. Uh, one of the things about UFC that's, um, it, it's, not a, it's not a detractor, but that's kept it from being massive is that I think some people just have a hard time finding it. Like they don't know exactly when it's on. And they, they've gotten much better in the last year or so. But do you think that this sale, this massive, massive sale, um, will lead to... Simply better TV, but better spot, better location, ESPN, on NBC primetime. Do you see that happening? Yeah, so I'll just tell the 97% of your audience that doesn't know what you're talking about. The, the, the <laughs> UFC, um, the fighting championship, uh, just got sold from, the, from basically people that have owned it for 10 years to a whole bunch of consortium people for $4 billion dollars. And um, the reason that they sold, I mean, obviously they're very excited with $4 billion, but, but the people that bought it, their hope is to expand into China, which is really where the big growth market is because the UFC has never been able to get into China. Um, but their contract is up, I think, next year with um, Fox. And the problem with that Fox contract is most of the, the idea was to put them over to Fox Sports and draw viewers to Fox Sports. And literally nobody knows where Fox Sports is. Nobody watches anything. All their highest ratings are the UFC fights, but nobody watches them. Um, but yes, I, I think there's no doubt that, the, that ESPN ESPN is covering UFC like they've never covered it before. They clearly expect to get it. And once it's on ESPN and they're promoting it 24-7 on a channel where people watch sports, it's going to change everything. And if it's a big fight, they're going to move to ABC. It's going to expand. How big the audience will be, I don't know, but it's certainly going to get much bigger than it is. You don't think they've hit anywhere near their ceiling yet? Not even close. Because it keeps going up. No, Tom, you're not a UFC fan. Is there any? Is it the kind of thing where you already know now they're never bringing you in? Like you're just not watching it. You know, it's not, it's not my thing. But I don't. You know, I, I, can, I can see that. I can see why people do like it. What's a way that they could bring you in? Um, Let me ask you this: In the Olympics, there's two ways you can think about it. Now, of course, with the with the way NBC does it, you can watch. You can actually watch every country, any country you want, and any sport you want. Which is, you know, is about as amazing as it gets. But NBC always believes that the way they bring you in is to tell you personal stories about the athletes. We not teach you about these people. Do you think maybe if the UFC really worked on making like a name person? Like so far, they've only had a couple people that someone who didn't watch UFC has even heard of. If they let you know about these people, made real stars out of them, might you watch them? You know, I'm watching so little anymore and, and, and have such little <laughs> mental capacity for much of anything, much less less TV. I, I don't know if that would actually do it. But, I, I mean, I take your point. I mean, that, you know, if I was maybe a little bit younger and had a little more free time and had a group of friends that, 
that we hung out a lot together, then then, then maybe. But I, I don't see personally at this point that I could get involved. Would you do that, Dan? Would you make, because I know there are these clubs or these groups that have fighters. Mm-hmm. Would you make it more of a storyline? Not, not exactly wrestling, but almost in that vein of like, it's them against you, and he's really cool because he's like this, and she's like that. Would you work on that? There's very few fans of the UFC that just watch it for random people to see how good the fighter is. Most people watch it have some skin in the game with the fighter. They built some sort of relationship with them, and I certainly can relate to that. Um, one of my favorite fighters is an Irish fighter came from nowhere and he started up and he's very unique um he, he's very well spoken and, and he's clever and funny and, and that draw and that's their biggest draw right now and the other one was ronda rossi who again is a great draw she's very well spoken really a, a feminist at heart and it brought in a lot of women didn't watch for so yeah i think that's definitely it and they do try to do that but the how do you get people to watch if they're you know, like who how do you get somebody to watch a story about somebody they don't know about before they do it so they try but that's, I think, what'll happen. Like I said, when the round-the-clock story on ESPN is right. about a fighter, and there's something interesting about it that appeals to you, like they're from your town, or um, you know, they they're really interested in animal rights, something, whatever the thing is that people connect to. That's what it'll right. Because the NFL and the NBA have made it very clear they they are star-driven. Mm-hmm. Baseball has had a real trouble having. Stars be the face. They're trying a little with Bryce Harper, but it's it's tricky. Yeah. And hockey has the same problem. And stars do seem to drive these things. So if you can make a star, Ronda Rousey is the first one to truly just leave the ballpark in terms of finding people who never would have watched UFC. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, I will be watching the ratings on that. Um, you know, Tom, I've been talking about this a lot, and you can go back in the archives and listen. But um, we talk about this world of uh, content providers and uh, connection providers and how, and I've been saying this for a while now that these connection providers have to get into the content game or they're in trouble. Um, And I'm curious what you think is the takeaway from this Yahoo uh, sale. What do you, do you think this is all about the content game or what do you think is going on with this deal? Well, well, Yahoo's failed at the content game. They sure they? have. They right. tried. They, they tried their butt off. And they do they, they even still have Katie Couric, I think, don't they? Yes. Have you ever seen a Katie Couric piece? I Yahoo? have seen little pieces of it. Um, but not, have, have you gone to Yahoo? No. And, no. But you wouldn't be drawn to Katie Couric in any scenario. No, that's right. Not even out of curiosity. No. I've seen it. If, it's big, enough, if it's big enough, it's shown somewhere else. <laughs> but I see it somewhere else. So why has Yahoo failed so miserably at content? And what is the value that Verizon sees in Yahoo besides their eyeballs? It must entirely be their eyeballs, right? They have the biggest fantasy sports. Um, Sports is really their thing. They have a few of the things that people are really – they have the audience. And obviously Tumblr is a huge audience too. So they're looking to leverage those eyeballs into – Right. Connection and into to programming. Just, you just want eyeballs if you want to be in content. You just want the people. Right. But, but you have I mean, to have content when they get Well, they do have content. They just haven't done it well yet. And I think that um, if you've got very little and you get this massive group, it's something to build on. Can they turn it around? Can Yahoo become a thing that people are more interested in as opposed to just that? 
that old email that you forgot to delete? I, I don't or know. Your junk email account. Yeah. So many people use it for their junk email. I mean, you take away the fantasy sports, and yes, you are really, you know, you're really stretching for what they have. You said Katie Couric because you can't think of anything else. Right. But they certainly have a lot of content. Don't forget also, they have um, FanDuel. They have... They have a competitor of FanDuel and whatever the other one is called. That, right. You know, so people forget about that. But they have a huge site where people are betting on fantasy sports. So that's content, right? I mean, that's a kind of content. It's also fantasy a sports is a content and right. FanDuel is a content. But it's not like a show or yeah, what, movies or, the, or, you know, what we think of like Netflix providing Do you content. think they'll have more? Do you think there'll be a, a renewed push to have that, Dan? Do you think that there will be more content? To be clear, I think Verizon... Screwed up. <laughs> I think they paid way too much money. I think Yahoo is a big piece of garbage, and, and I don't think it works very well. And right. I think technology is really old. I think it was a mistake, and I think pretty much everything Verizon does is a mistake. They just happen to have really great towers <laughs> and good advertising. Uh, and I think that, and the fact that Yahoo only got sold for four billion, which is a lot of money, right? But they have spent more than that over the last five years acquiring content, right? And they still, I mean, it's incredible how low it went for, given what everything's going for. So I, I think I think they bought a bunch of garbage. I don't think they're going to grow it. The question is, are they going to be able to use that in some way for advertising or something like that? Can they just, to me, it's just, can they keep those people and they can figure out a way to monetize it? Do you think, though, that what we've seen in the last year or two is just getting faster and faster where there are fewer connection providers and fewer content providers? Are we really seeing this this? Uh, consolidation, just a few companies running almost all of this. Are we getting close to that? Well, we're, I would say we are getting closer to that, and a lot of it will depend on the political climate because mm-hmm. I think the Republicans are more likely to be okay with um, with monopolies, and the Democrats are less likely to do that. So I think that, but I also think that we're just, we're, there's going to be new technologies that are coming out. Google's in this game big time. They're fighting hard to, um, take away some of that control from providers and allowing other people to create their own set-tops and stuff like that. So I think it, there's going to be a flip, and I think the political climate can have some impact on that. Do you agree, Tom? I do. I do, yeah. It, it's going it, to be interesting because uh, I still think at the end of the day, and we talk about Netflix almost every show, uh, and the reason that we do is because they, they seem to have broken the mold or set a new mold, which is basically that if you can create really interesting content and have access to content from other people that you are bound by no one. You will have, you are the freest player in the game. You're not afraid of anything anymore. And I'm, I'm just wondering if, if they have gotten so far ahead, I mean, who's going to catch up with them? Well, if you talk to anyone that's, I'll say six to 17, ask them what's your favorite channel. If they're honest with you, they'll tell you YouTube. They watch, all they do is watch YouTube. True. And I'm like, what do you watch? And it is things that you and oh, I know. Even Some crazy Georgian comic who's like, what the hell is yeah. this guy? And yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there is a huge competitor, and it's actually and it's worldwide, and that's Google. Right. And then there's Vimeo, and there's much, much smaller players. Right. So, yeah, I think there's lots of opportunity. I mean, just like, you know, I don't have cable TV anymore, right? and, and I, Tom doesn't have cable TV anymore. And half the people I know don't have cable TV anymore. We're getting content from other places. Now. Right. YouTube is a fascinating thing because it, 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 I mean, we've already taken away the 
23 episode season and they didn't even a 12 episode season but now we've taken away the 60 minute show and the 30 minute yeah, show right. and people are watching four minute shows and yes. what is that you know i mean it's pretty interesting i don't know how you make money necessarily that's always the thing it's ads right if you can make money google's making a fortune off the ads and the provider is getting a small percentage it's the opposite of the television market. Well, just think the idea that a 30-minute and a 60-minute show as a construct didn't even exist until after World War II. I mean, prior to that... No, technically, technically, it did, it did on start, radio, on, it started radio. on radio. Fair yeah. enough. Okay, before the 20th century. Right. I mean, it didn't matter. It, I mean, it was just... It was just... It was how long the thing needed to be. No. And and, like, I teach about it. The woman who created that formatting created it just because she realized that it would be easier to... To slot shows. Right. So it's just like, okay, so we'll have shows and then we'll have commercials and shows and commercials and this is how it'll work. And they just picked randomly 15, 30, 45 in an hour. But there's no reason that we have to stay with that at all. You know, it's just like the like standard time. The railroads brought us standard time. That uh, media technology brought us these 30-minute these increments. And what is the equivalent to what Verizon and what these providers will will bring us? Wait, right. wait, wait, wait. That will be normal. Jeff started this off by saying he teaches about this. How are you an expert on this? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff owns this concept, so if you want to run by, he teaches. <laughs> it is funny though to think that someone figured out that you know the more just like they figured out that you know soap operas should go in the morning and kids shows would go in the early afternoon but it's all shifted it's all changed right. now uh, i thought we'd just and just quickly talking about gary marshall uh, who died i always thought he was about 140 it turns out he was only 81 i listened to an interview with him recently where he was about 56 and he already sounded I ancient I, I think he was born ancient um but he does span an interesting uh swath of television and film starting all the way with i love lucy working his way through, you know, happy days and then making a series of movies, one incredibly successful movie and, and ending his career with some really awful stuff. Uh, I've never been necessarily a big fan. Uh, I think he's overrated. I never thought he was all that interesting, that funny. Where's his significance? Where do we look at him five years from now, ten years from now? Where do we look at him now? Well, I think his, his significance may not be as much in the... Um the realm of movie directors. Uh, the 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 big hit you're talking about was Pretty Woman, Woman right? Yeah. Um, but in sitcoms, I mean, I, I think he he was he and Norman Lear, um, you know, had had a, just a great deal of influence on in the early sitcoms of the of the of the 70s. Sure. Happy Days, to learn that whole. Except that, whole that we talk one of those two guys. We talk about his shows in terms of being groundbreaking and. Uh, society shifting and one of them we talk about in terms of well yeah I watched that when I was a kid yeah 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 <laughs> Norman Lear was the first no I got that I got that and I, and I think if you're going to compare him that way then yeah I mean Norman Lear is is uh you know far superior can um, he just be his own guy Jeff to teach about this too? <laughs> I do but what, but what Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley you know did for for sitcoms I, I think and was was its way was groundbreaking. I mean, it it it, uh, it ushered in an entirely new shift in what sitcoms did, and 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 um, created a number of stars, and was just you know vastly entertaining. Does it hold up now? Probably not. But I challenge you to go watch a few episodes of All in the Family and see how those hold up. Uh, they hold up. They hold up. <laughs> I actually think they hold up okay. Uh, Happiness does not hold up well. But can I just say, just to give you a little, so I. 
think of Gary Marshall most because of his five minute role in Lost in America. Yes, we just saw that with my sister for the first time. My sister saw it for the first time, and he died the next day. And she really like fell for. Did she think she killed him? I don't think she thought she killed him, but she was weird for her to like suddenly have this affection for someone and then he was gone. But I actually really liked. I mean, his acting style was him, but I really liked it. It was a very believable style. So even though that wasn't really what he was most famous for, I did, I did always enjoy it. I just I feel in many ways I put Gary Marshall, and again I I much prefer him to uh, Aaron Spelling, but that's where I put him. I put him in this category of people who figured out what the audience wanted at the time. Whereas I think Norman Lear uh, was ahead of the curve. You just said this is what I, I can feel. This is what people need, and he was right for fifteen years. Gary Marshall, I think, just kind of gave nice quality entertainment, but that's it. I, I, I don't want to compare the two. I, mean, right. I, think, I think Norman is, is Should we compare him against William Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't he just be his own man? That's true. I mean, I, he created a show about two women, and it was the number one show that's true. on TV for a long I'm more just met in Milwaukee. Do we look at him? Space Alien. Do yeah. we look at him now or later? Do we talk about him a lot when we're talking about important artists in television and film? Will we? I think as much as we would Sid Caesar, I think sure. Wow. Okay, that's pretty high praise. Uh, he certainly was a big part of my childhood. Me too. Loved Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Loved them all, you know, oh my God. for most of the entire run. When Fonzie was jumping over those trash cans and they stopped it to be confused. Of course! And we had to wait another week. That was the <laughs> worst day of my life. <laughs> you didn't see it coming? 25, the 25-minute 25 mark? I never saw anything coming. <laughs> well, there you go. So if you if you want to know more about Gary Marshall, stick to the 70s. Probably don't go see that last movie that he made. What was it? I can't remember which holiday was it. Oh uh, yeah, I can't remember. Mother's Day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mother's Day, Valentine's Why Day. Why did you sign up to do those movies? Because money. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks. I'm very excited to be checking in on the box office, see how Jason Bourne is doing, and some of the other big movies that are going to finish up the summer. We'll be looking at the fall season, seeing what kind of new shows are coming. There's some exciting shows coming out. We'll talk about Game of Thrones coming to an end in a couple of seasons. We can talk about that and everything else in the world of entertainment for your enjoyment. So for Tom and our special guest, Dan, I'm Jeff. Have a great day. <laughs>